Let's go to the word, Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Amen. And then Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Amen. God is merciful and gracious. 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 Exodus 34, verse 6 says that. He has compassion according to the abundance of his unfailing love. Lamentations 3.32. You remember reading through Lamentations? Yes, there is relevant passage there. Yes, this is his compassion abounding of uh, his unfailing love. And he shows his compassion as a father does on his children, Psalm 103.13 says, as a father has compassion on his young children, little children, God shows his compassion on those who return to him and confess their sins. And not only confess, but renounce their sins. So renounce means forsake, no more doing it, getting rid of it. That's what it means. So you don't just end with saying sorry, but you resolve to no more do it. So that is someone who truly returns to the merciful, gracious God. And when they do, then he shows his compassion. Um, and that's why Second Chronicles 30 verse 9 says Proverbs 28, 13. But also in Joel 2, 13. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. So what the prophet Joel wrote there uh, is about the compassion and gracious, merciful God. And that when we honor him or acknowledge him as such, we need to bring ourselves as sinners who not only rend, rend is like rip, you know, tear. As you read through the Old Testament, what do they do when they get upset? The Jewish people, they rip their clothes. It's just like right away they tear their clothes. I'm like, wow, those clothes must be really thin. Because like, it's like, how do you do that without, you need like box cutter or scissors or something. But they, they rend their clothes. So it's to show that they uh, are repentant. Uh, and that it's not just to show other people, but it's rending heart. So we really have to pay attention to this message. It's like if you believe in the merciful, gracious cause, say amen. And who needs his mercy and grace? Who needs his mercy and his grace? Sinners. That's right. Who need to be forgiven. So faith is to believe and receive the forgiveness of sin, as we read in Ephesians 1, 7, in accordance to the riches of his grace. His grace being something that's freely given, undeserving gift. And therefore, in order to receive the everlasting kindness, to receive that everlasting um, love on the last day, So the last day, what is that last day? Either last day of the world, last day of my breath, whichever happens first. We do realize that there's last day to our lives, right? I don't need to remind you that, right? We have uh, expiration dates, uh, you know, written in our bodies that we know not of. Only God knows. I should not find out. I should not make it happen. Only God knows that date, that time. And when that comes, as you have been hearing every week here this year in 2024 in EM, uh, we live with the purpose of life, which is what? Eternal life. And in order for us to achieve that purpose, we need a mark, a tangible mark. And that is resurrection, the resurrection to life. Why? If not, 
you, we get stuck in this current place called the burning hell. The universe turning into burning hell. And how do we get out? Last week we learned about the righteousness. The blood of Yeshua being the righteousness of uh, Yeshua. And therefore it is my righteousness. For by faith I have been justified. And again, all this is relevant because where I am right now. I'm not dead. I'm still here. So when I breathe my last, is my last day. And again, here this year in COJ, we have been uh, uh, very stunned by losing our, uh, you know, relatively young sister, you know, uh, this year. You don't go in the order you came. It could, you could be in your teens and you could be in your 20s and your time's up. So when that time is up and you're breathing your last, and I need to leave the flesh. The spirit needs, spirit leaves the flesh. And uh, the, uh, that the spirit finally leaves the burning universe. Even though physically we can't leave the space because it's so big. But spirit, as Jesus said to the thief next to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. Today. So it's gone like that. So for me to make it out, make out, escape, And boldly say, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Receive me. Do you want to be accepted in that day, in that moment? By God in heaven. Amen? Amen. Uh Uh-oh, only 20 people say amen. Amen. Do you want to be accepted by God? Amen. Amen. So I could wish that. But what if God says, I don't accept you. He doesn't have his arms open, but he crosses his arm and says, uh-uh, the door is shut. So that's why we all need to pay attention to this message. Every week we've been building on how do I get my soul saved? How does my soul get saved in the end? It's because there's that moment, the last day, to receive his everlasting kindness. Again, Isaiah 54 verse 8 says that. Our task at hand is to forgive. If I have been forgiven, I must forgive others, their sins, their trespasses. Trespasses. So to forgive one another is the task at hand. So again, every week we've been talking about something, and I, it's just, this is the order in which the sermon is going. So it's about the grace of forgiveness that I'm going to um, share with you this morning. Because if the Father closes his hands and um, keeps them closed and doesn't accept or receive my spirit at that moment, because I have not forgiven, then what happens? We have to think about that always. What if? Like, what if? What if my spirit is not received? Then the spirit gets locked in here. Stays here. This is very scary. I tremble when I think about this. What if my spirit is not received? Like, I receive the qualification to leave. But if from the qualification to the moment of deadline, the expiration, the gap, I need to successfully living this faith life. Which is about forgiving others of their wrongdoings, of their trespasses, their sins. Now, forgiveness is not just Christian task. It's in the world. And again, I think I mentioned this before. You've been hearing on the news, you know, the current president promised that those who have debts uh, will be, uh, student loans will be forgiven. So when you think about debt, financial debt, um, there is forgiveness or obligation. So these words that we tend to think about, like relationship, personal relationship, or even Christian life, actually has also the same meaning in financial terms. So in number-wise, right? People who owe money need to be forgiven. But if they don't pay back, then they are thieves, robbers, right? So they get then um, they lose their credit. They can't take out credit cards. They can't take out loans. They can't even 
apply for job or I mean, they could apply, but they can't get jobs when they have a lot of debt that they have not been paying back. So uh, from financial to criminal. So crime is breaking the law and breaking the law. Um, when someone uh, is convicted, part of their defense can be, you know, whatever situation, growing up, a mental illness or something, but others actually can accept. They plead guilty, right? They go, they don't say they, they're not pleading um, innocent, but they're pleading guilty, um, and that's for them to say, I'm sorry. So when they come to that point of saying they're sorry, it's in the hope that their sentence will be reduced, right? So um, forgiveness is what they're seeking. So it could be personal, but we, it, we see in, in, even in human society, in financial situation as well as um, uh, uh, social uh, or, you know, settings like that, uh, forgiveness is very important. For the Christian who, not, uh, are, who are not just concerned about finance or social, personal, emotional relationship, we're thinking spiritual. And the difference of being forgiven and not is the difference between heaven and hell. Because the reason why I believe Jesus, the reason why we believe Yeshua is not to live a long life or happy life or become rich and successful in the world and live out your dreams, but it's to be forgiven. It's for the forgiveness of sins that we believe Yeshua. That's why it says the grace, according to the riches of his grace. What is his grace? What is the amazing grace? The unforgivable is forgiven. The undeserving becomes forgiven. That's why it's called grace. So in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, and I um, certainly shared with you last summer's um, retreat, we did half of it, which is like the first half. Um, we say half because that first part. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's where we stopped last summer. So that's called the, the, the first half of the Lord's Prayer, which is about God. It's how I want my life to be in line with, with honoring, glorifying his name, uh, uh, for his name to be hallowed, uh, and for his kingdom to be established and be successful, advancing, and his will to be done in my life. And then we go to the latter half, the second half, which is give us this day our daily bread, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Pause there. So we haven't done that. So spoiler alert. That's what we're going to do. Uh, this this, this uh, summer, God wills. That's what we'll do. Summer retreat 2024. Um, but here, uh, the Lord himself taught. Uh, this is again, Matthew 6, 6, 12. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For those who have established relationship with Yeshua as their savior as, uh, and, and that they have received the blood of Yeshua. Have you received the blood of Yeshua into your soul, into your spirit? Then you have been born again as a child of God. As children of God, we call him our father. And our father, yeah, we talk to him, we ask him, and we plead with him all the things that we need, like daily bread, that's listed as one, because physical survival, whatever we need provision for. Second thing, actually, just as important, is to be forgiven of our debts. So again, debts in financial setting, it's like, oh, money, right? Or in criminal or legal setting, it's about breaking the law and the burden of breaking the law. But here we're talking about what we have done wrong in the eyes of God. And this we need every single day to be forgiven of our debts every single day. 
Because the latter half is about what we need to be asking every day for us to have sort of as a, like a backup uh, support in order for us to do the first half, which is to live for the glory of his name, for his kingdom and his will. So for that, I need provision of daily bread and I need forgiveness. But interestingly there, well, first uh, forgive in Greek is uh, aphiemi, aphiemi, um, and it means to send away, to leave alone, to let it be, or to release. So all those words are in the same, um, in the meaning of the word forgive in Greek. So it's to let it be, like let go. There's no more strings attached. There's no burden attached. There's no expectation attached. There's no more price attached because now they've been released. So that's what forgiveness means. So if God is, specifically Yeshua, is my father, our father in heaven, I can ask him for anything. But what the Lord reminds us here is that what we need until our last breath and to make sure that we leave this burning universe and our Father in heaven opens, stretches out his arms wide and welcomes us home, I have this task at hand. To be forgiven of my debts this day, I need to forgive my debtors, our debtors. So what does that mean? There's a condition to my forgiveness. Condition. Let's read that together. Matthew six fourteen. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father... Uh-oh, read again. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whose words? Yeshua. Not words of Paul or Peter or John, these are words of Yeshua himself. Should we take it seriously? Yeah. There's condition. Want to be forgiven? You have to forgive. Because God's greatest gift for men is the forgiveness of sins. We compare um, that with angels. How does God treat angels? Uh, when God created angels, and he put them in the spiritual heaven outside of the universe. He made them for the purpose of serving him, glorifying him, his name. For the spiritual heaven to be filled with his glory. He made these beautiful angels, talented. And one of them, exceptionally beautiful, exceptionally talented, uh, Luciel. And because of that, he became proud. And he said to himself, in Isaiah 14, it describes... I will make myself like the most high. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will be like God. That's what he meant. So when, again, he did not like get AK-47 and throw TNT or, you know, grenade. or what. He didn't do any of that. All he said to himself, like, I will make myself like the most high. And of course, uh, and then you have Jude 1.6 describing he was no longer maintaining his proper domain position of serving. So he stopped serving because he wanted to be served himself. And God saw that as wicked. In fact, as the origin of sin. And therefore, God threw him out from the spiritual heaven and contained him in Ho-Hades. Ho-Hades, which is Hades, the universe where we call home. And 2 Peter 2, 4, God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. So no second chance, no mercy. One time speaking to himself and telling himself he's going to be like God. God said, get out. But not only get out, you're going to stay in your prison cell until you are judged and punished forever. And so it is in this space that man was made and that man was made as a living being, a spiritual being. When God breathed into the man, man became 
a living being, a spiritual being. And the spiritual being, same as angel. Angels are spiritual beings, right? But the difference is, what do we have? We have the flesh. We have the flesh. Um, and the spiritual being inside the flesh, therefore, is called living being, while angels are now called living being. They're just spiritual beings. So Adam is a living being. So say with me, Adam, a living being. I'm a living being. I am Adam. Because I'm a descendant of Adam, I inherited his spirit. Now, this Adam lived in the Garden of Eden, and he was to obey the word of God to live for his spirit. And that was to not take from one tree uh, that was at the uh, center of the garden called the tree of knowledge, good and evil. But a serpent came through the woman and said this deceitful word, which said, take the fruit. You will not surely die, as God warned you. When God said, do not eat this fruit. If you'll eat of it, you will surely die. And the serpent, who is actually the the fallen angel, Satan, the devil, now he's known as, and he said, you will be like God. So the motivation of Adam then taking the fruit was to be like God. Same as the fallen angel who said, I will be like the Most High. While they both had the same motivation to commit the same sin to be like God, certainly God also cast out, um, banished Adam and Eve from the garden. Just like God banished the the angels out of the spiritual heaven into uh, the universe, um, what God uh, we'd see that God uh, shows a glimpse of grace, His grace that is prepared only for mankind and not for angels, and that is that He covered the man in garments of skin. We also heard Pastor Kang say that, right? Explaining. Skin, like skin means like leather. I'm like, oh, leather, I like leather. Like, you know, God likes leather, that's good quality. Uh, what's the difference between the fig leaves that he made clothing out of uh, and the clothing that God gave, which is made of skin? Skin, the leather, is a result of tearing the flesh and letting the blood out. So there is sacrifice. There is death. So clothing the man and the woman with such garments we see a glimpse of God's grace coming in the future. So why the difference? Psalm 103.14 says, For God knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. He remembers that we are dust. You do realize that, right? At the end of the day, we're just dust. You can look in the mirror and say, I am beautiful. I look beautiful to the eye. I look good. I'm a handsome man. But in the eyes of God, we are just? Turn to your neighbor. You're a good-looking dust. Yeah, you're a good-looking God, dust, but you're dust. Yeah. For God to um, show his mercy and compassion on people who have fallen away from God, as a result, not only driven out from the Garden of Eden, now Adam, spiritually, had died in the spirit, and all men coming after him will now follow him, follow the devil to hell. But nobody knew that reality. So God began his work by calling on the people of Israel, making them, choosing them to be the people of God, God's people. And he led them out of um, their slavery uh, in Egypt, which is called the Exodus. And he led them into the desert, in the wilderness, where they journey for 40 years. Um, And it was in the desert through Moses, God gave the law. Certainly there are 10 commandments in the law, but there are even more. You add on sacrificial regulations, worship regulations, dietary customs, and all of these. You have how many commandments? 613. Too many. Too many. And uh, along with that, Deuteronomy 25, uh, 12, and actually Deuteronomy 13, 10 says, anyone who is found to be breaking any of the commandments is to be 
shown no pity, and one place is stoned them to death. Who said these words? Stoned them to death. Show them no pity. Who said it? Who is God? You look at your nose. What do we say? God is merciful? Yes, that's right. So God who is merciful and gracious, compassionate, commanded them to show no mercy, no pity on those who break the commandments. So you think they were afraid of breaking? Yes, they were afraid every day that they would break. But they uh, were also commanded to build a tabernacle, sanctuary, first in the desert and later the temple, the temple of Jerusalem in Canaan. Uh, But in the sanctuary uh, is where... um, The sanctuary was supposed to function as a mark for sinners to return to God. It uh, was a mechanism for sinners to return to God. And when they return to God, they can have their transgressions blotted out and forgotten. As we read in Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Remembers your sins no more. As we heard Pastor King's sermon about God, the God who exists for himself, he who is for his sake, for God is God. He does what he does. And he's saying, for I am merciful and gracious. I cannot help but to show my mercy and compassion to those who return to me. I will blot out their transgressions and remember their sins no more. Is this good news? Certainly they consider it as the greatest news. So, um, Isaiah forty four twenty two says, I have swept away your offenses like offenses, like a cloud, your sins, like the morning mist return to me for I have redeemed you. So when they returned to the Lord, they were not to come just with a verbal, you know, acknowledgement. I'm coming back to you, Lord, but they are to bring sacrifice and offer a sin offering. So within the law, which is very scary, you know, you, you break and you are stoned to death. You're killed, no mercy, no pity shown to you. But we, again, even in the law that is very frightening, there is a glimpse of the grace of God, which says, if you don't want to die and you want to be forgiven, you bring a sacrifice to die in your place. Again, the word sacrifice means substitute for the sinner. So in Leviticus 16, it's a little long, so I will summarize it. And hopefully many of you read through this part. Um, So Leviticus 16, it talks about how um, the priest is supposed to uh, cast lots for two goats. Uh, one lot is for the Lord and the other is for what's called the scapegoat. Um, so there are two goats. One is to be slaughtered and the other one is to be kept alive. So the one that is to be slaughtered, killed for its blood, it was to be offered up to God. So, um, it was a sacrifice goat and its blood was sprinkled, um, at, uh, certainly at the altar, but all the way into the most holy place, the mercy seat. Do we talk about mercy seat already? Yes. The mercy seat, which Hebrews 4.12 describes as the throne of grace. What's the other word for that? The throne of grace. The mercy seat. Which is different from the throne of judgment, which is what we talked about last week. Yes. But same location. So the, um, that's where the blood was um, sprinkled. So that goat died in place of the whole people of Israel. So this is called the Day of Atonement, where uh, the atonement for sin was made for the entire people of uh, Israel, also known as Yom Kippur uh, in Hebrew. So this is, to, you know, to this day they observe, uh, they, they don't do the same thing, but um, they observe what this day is about, which is about repenting, you know, 
Yes, tearing your clothes and throwing ash over your head, uh, fasting. Uh, and then remembering that this goat is carrying um, uh, sin and dying uh, in place of the people of Israel to pay the price of sin. What is the price of sin? What is the price of sin over there? Yes, that's right. Somebody just woke up. Thank you, Aldo. So paying the price of sin was done by um, the sacrifice goat while... So when the blood was sprinkled the very last, right? Because the mercy seat, the, which is the, the covering on top of the ark in the most holy place, was the last final destination for the high priest. It was the proof of this atonement that was done for Israel. So God is not going to seek the price from them because the atonement is completed when the blood is sprinkled. Do you understand? While, meanwhile, there's a second goat that was the scapegoat that is to be kept alive. So what happens there is in the latter part of Leviticus 16, we see that uh, all iniquities, sins con- uh, are, that have been committed, confessed over the head of the animal. Therefore, the sin of Israel is now carried onto this live goat, and then the goat is released. Remember the word release? Yes, forgiven, yes. So released, released into the wilderness. And according to their myth, there was a monster called Azazel that ate sin. So you release this goat with carrying on, invisible, but carrying sin, um, kept alive, and it's going to wander through the wilderness and then die out there. So what, is that, what did that symbolize? That this, all the sins that had been atoned through the sacrifice killed. Now, any other sins they can think of or the sins that one could uh, commit are to never return because they're going to become, uh, the goat's going to be eaten by this monster. And therefore, God's word of, I will remember their sins no more will be fulfilled. Do you understand? Amen? Yes. So those two goats, one is live to die in place of sinners. The other one, with, through the confession, is sent away, sent away, forgiven, to remember no more. So that was very, very important for um, the people of Israel as the temple reminded them. So it is to remember that's where atonement was made. And once you're atoned, God will not remember your sins. But Yeshua, man claiming to be the son of God, sent in the name of the father Yeshua, standing before the temple. What did he say? He said, destroy this temple. And the Jewish people said, hallelujah. No, we're going to kill you. That's what they said. Because without the temple, without um, the sanctuary, how are you going to make atonement? Right? How are you going to have sacrifice die in your place to be forgiven and release this other goal to never come back to haunt you? God promised, I will remember your sins no more. Therefore, you need to do these things. But a reminder is, and is Hebrews 10, 1 to 3 says, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect for those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. Think about that, right? If God said, I will remember your sins no more, you should also remember your sins no more. But after giving sacrifice, you still remember your sins. So the reality is that the offering that they gave, the sacrifice they gave was blood of bulls and goats. And that's why it says in verse 4, it is impossible for the bull, blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So, oh, this is only a shadow, a copy, copy 
until the true thing comes. And here Yeshua is saying, destroy, tear it down. This is where the name of Jehovah is and where in the name of Jehovah you gave the sacrifice. So either the sinner who committed sin will be put to death or the sacrifice will die in place of the sinner commanded by the law. But tear that down. Now a new temple will be accomplished, uh, established, and that is not in the name of Jehovah, but in the name, the Father's name, who is merciful, and that name is Yeshua. In that name he has come, and he has come not as the law of Moses, but as the truth. Amen. And the truth is what? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8, 32, Yeshua said, and he said, I am the way, the truth. John 14, 6. So in that truth, It is not going to be the sinner himself or an animal that's going to die. Instead, as John the Baptist said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah! That Yeshua came as the Lamb of God who will die in place of sinners of the world. And that's why he said he came as the Son of Man. That he will become a ransom for many. Let's look at Matthew 20, 28 together. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a? Give his life as a what? What is a ransom? Sacrifice to pay the price for someone else. To substitute the sinner. So here he is referring to himself as the Son of Man. Yeshua is referring to himself as the Son of Man. And he actually repeatedly referred to himself as the Son of Man. If I was talking about myself, I'm going Son of Man, Son of Man. Will you stop saying that? We know you're human. But who is Yeshua that he kept saying that he's the son of man? Where did he come from? Let's go to John 1.1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So the word was with the merciful, gracious God in the beginning, in eternity. That's what it's saying. And that he is actually God. So the word was God. The word was the merciful, gracious God in eternity. Before anything happened, that's who he is. Do you believe that? Before anything was made, before any, any sin occurred, any sin was committed, any creature was made, that's who he is. Then you have to ask yourself, like, okay, so he decided to be the merciful and compassionate, gracious God. To whom? You should ask the question. To whom? We already covered, not for the angels, but for men. Who are in the weakness of the flesh. Dust. So, the verse, uh, verse 14 says, The word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only. Who came from the Father. Full of grace and truth. And he came in the name of Yeshua. So he is the God incarnate. He is the word who became flesh. He is the God, the Spirit who became flesh. He came as man, but he is God. Say amen if you believe that. He is the Son of God, therefore. You are the Son of the living God, is what Peter said. But he referred to himself as the Son of Man because he has a schedule. The purpose of coming as man was to do something that God as Spirit cannot do. Uh Uh-oh. There's something God cannot do? What is it? There you go. God cannot die. God cannot die. But for God to show his mercy and grace to all mankind, God would have to come as man in the flesh. And that's why the word became flesh, came as the son of man to become a ransom 
And in 1 John 4, 10, it says an eternal atoning sacrifice. So we've been talking about sacrifice in Leviticus 16. Again, all of that is a foreshadow of uh, to be fulfilled one day. So Yeshua, his nature is not from dust. Therefore, he's not a sinner, but he's the son of God who came as man in order to die. And why die? It says as a ransom for many. To do what? To forgive. To do what did he come as man? To do what was he going to die? To? Catch on, man. What's the theme today? To? I know I'm sorry I'm saying I'm man because I'm just running on patient. Man, let's go. To do what? To? There you go. So in John 12, 47, he said, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So save the world there is to forgive. Not literally like taking them out of the world, but to forgive. So um, before he healed the sick in Matthew 9, there was a paralytic man who was uh, brought to him and he was lying on a cot. Matt. And then he said to him, looking at him, and he had pity on him. He said, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Hearing this, because there was a crowd of people and the teachers of the law who wanted to bring charges against Yeshua, paying attention to everything that he was doing and everything that he was saying, hearing that your sins are forgiven, they said to each other, this fellow is blaspheming it. This is unacceptable. How dare? How dare he's saying your sins are forgiven? Because remember, to the Jewish people, who forgives sin? Who is the only one who can forgive sin? God. So for them to hear Yeshua, who is just a man, right? Because they did not accept him as a son of God, just a man. Saying, your sins are forgiven. Take heart, your sins are forgiven. This was unacceptable. They were upset. This is blasphemy. And knowing all this, knowing their thoughts, Yeshua said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? So let me ask you, which is easier? Your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? A or B? One or two, which one? Maybe the first one is easy. Like, your sins are forgiven. No one's going to find out if you're not, right? But when you say, get up and walk. Get up and walk. And they don't get up and walk. Then, so you'll be in trouble. So maybe the first one is easy. It's not easy or easier. The only one who can forgive is God. The only one who can show mercy and grace and compassion is God. So that's why it upset, uh, 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 upset the teachers of the law who heard it. Yet he said... Uh, as he said in another place, the son of man came with the authority to forgive. With the authority to forgive. Because again, who is he? He is the merciful, gracious God in the beginning who came as man. But of course, no one understood that. But when he said, when he turned to, and he said, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. What kind of authority? The authority to forgive sins. And he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. Do you believe that happened? The people who saw, yes, they're witnesses. And they were shocked. They were shocked. Of course, they were shocked that this man was paralyzed, got up. But they need, they have such short memory. They need to go back and what the Lord said, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Because he declared the forgiveness of sin as a root of the problem. And he says, because you're forgiven, now you're walking. That connection needed to be made. Do you understand? The merciful, compassionate God 
wants to heal and set us free from diseases. But that is not the main purpose of the word coming as man, becoming flesh to die. The incarnation of the word, his death was to forgive sin, the sins of men in the spirit, the sin in the spirit. That's why he came to die. So when the man got up, the people realized his word of later on, probably thinking your sins are forgiven. Those words were true because the sins are forgiven. Now the sickness is set free. Amen. Proving that Yeshua is the merciful God. Of course, not everyone believed that then. And this forgiveness of sin, Yeshua, uh, we see in another place in Luke 7, that the grace of the forgiveness of sin is not received by all. Instead, it's only by those who love him much. Why? How? Because they know their many sins are forgiven. Not just a sin, but many. So in Luke 7, we see... um, Yeshua going to Pharisee's home and he's having a meal there and a woman who's known as a sinful uh, sinner in, the, in town, sinful woman. So if you have a label that you're a sinner as a woman, it, in, at that time, highly likely she was a prostitute and everyone knew that. So she ran into the home and fell at the feet of Jesus and with her oil that she brought, a perfume oil, she poured at his feet with her tears and hair. She just would not stop crying and washing and, and kissing his feet. And, I mean, feet are, like, not really clean to begin with. But back in the day, they were sandals and they're, you know, it's like dusty road all the time, right? So it was etiquette for them to give water when, when guests come home and wash their feet. So washing means, like, welcoming and serving. So there's a lot of meaning to that. So here is a stranger, but not only a stranger, a sinner, labeled a sinner, that these Pharisees saw. And, like, they do not associate with unclean ones, Right, this whole, whole the thing about what is clean or what is unclean, because she's a sinner, she's unclean. So you're not even supposed to sit next to her, eat with her, or let her touch her body. So when um, they see uh, the, the the woman touching Yeshua's feet and Yeshua letting her do that, they were all thinking, "Does he not know? If he's the if he's a man of God, he would know what kind of woman she is, and that he would not let her touch his feet." So Yeshua, knowing all of that, he turned then to Peter, who his disciple, and talked about. Two people owing money, right? And he says, there were two people who owe money to a certain lender. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? What do you think? The one who owe 100 or 50? This is not a Jeopardy question. It's not hard. Which one? 100 or 50? 100, yes? The one who owe more. So Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Yeshua said, you have judged correctly. Now, why would he say that? And then he came back to the woman who is still washing his feet and touching and crying. And he's saying, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. I want us to pay attention to that. For her many sins have been forgiven, she loves more. But those whose sins, who have been forgiven little, meaning they don't have much to confess because they have, in their mind, they have not committed many sins. Maybe one mess up, 99 they did right. Maybe one. So maybe one was forgiven. So therefore their love for the Lord will be just one as opposed to 99. 
So who will love the Lord more? The one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Who will welcome the grace of the forgiveness sin? The one who confesses that they have committed many, 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 many sins. Uncountable, innumerable, like the stars in the sky, like the sand grains in the shore. That's me. Such sinner would love him more and not only stop there, but also love others as a result. And I, I, you know, I was like reviewing the sermon and I, I remember hearing Pastor Kang saying, you know, people, I, of course, many people have asked her, Pastor, how are you always staying compa- uh, passionate for the Lord and loving the Lord so much? And how come I, hearing the same word, I'm not as passionate as you and, and, and strong in the faith and staying strong and even becoming stronger like you? And what Pastor Kang said is, well, I know that I'm the worst of sinners and therefore I love the Lord more than any of the sinners I believe and I believe that I confess that 100% to be truth. So I know that my many sins have been forgiven. But people who are not growing in faith, who are not changing, is because they do not have many sins forgiven. They've been, given, they've been forgiven so little, they live they love very little. So we have to ask ourselves, like, do I really confess that my many, many sins have been forgiven? And how do I know that my many, many sins have been forgiven? How do I know that I'm a sinner? That's why we read the Bible as we had you read from cover to cover, from beginning to the end, the law and then the gospel. You don't have gospel without the law. And what's the function of the law? As Yeshua himself did not come to abolish the law but to make it perfect. Because without the law, we do not know about sin. We do not know find ourselves to be sinners. We do not know the consequence of sin, which is death. And that death is not like losing breath, but being thrown into fire of hell that will never extinguish. Therefore, fearing the price of sin, what do I do? I yearn and long and desperately seek the Savior. So the law is good because it's like a tutor that leads the sinners to Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua, the Savior. Hallelujah. So to do that work, he went to the cross and he said, it is finished as he died. So the moment he died was the moment that he fulfilled the Father's will. Who is the Father? He is the merciful, gracious, compassionate Father. This is the moment that the Father is now going to be revealed and glorified as that. As the merciful, gracious, compassionate Father. His will is to reveal that and receive glory. Because the moment Yeshua, he who knows no sin. uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knows no sin, who became sin on our behalf. Dying as the Lamb of God to be slaughtered. Treated like an animal. Like a sinner. Nailed to the cross. Stripped naked. To be put to shame and pain. Like that. And his last word, Luke 23, 34 says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Forgive them for they do not know what they do. Say with me. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Once again, Father, forgive them. For they do not know. I want you to make these words be your prayer. Do you understand? Yeshua is God. But he set a model for us to follow. Do you want to follow Yeshua? We follow him to the cross, which is death, self-denial. All the pride, all the arrogance, all self-righteousness to be nailed and put to death. 
He alone is merciful, compassionate, and gracious. I am 100% convicted and condemned as a sinner. So I have no excuse. No excuse to not forgive. No excuse not to judge. Not judge. Not judge. No more judging. No more remembering. Because he himself, as men stripped him, beat him, and pulled his, and mocked him, and nailed him to, flogging him before them, nailed him to the cross, putting him to death, he said, Father, forgive all of these people, those who shouted, crucify all the people in the world, even to this day, who refuse to believe, and who are saying detestable, despicable things about Yeshua, about God, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. They're fools, like little children, they don't know. Therefore, Father is now showing his mercy, forgiving them. Now being revealed for himself as he who blots out and forgives and forgets sin. Hallelujah. Judging the devil, the origin of sin, he died. But through his death, as he paid the price of the sinners of the world, he let out his precious blood, his own blood, the redeeming blood, obtaining what's called eternal redemption. What is it called? Why is it eternal? Because you don't need to do it every year. Hallelujah. He did it once for all. And he set it up so that whosoever receives that redeeming blood will now be forgiven of their many sins. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10, 17, 18. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Just as the Passover Lamb, blood on the Passover night, when, when the spirit of death saw, when God saw there was blood there, he passed over, regardless of who's there, passed over, passed over. So the blood of Yeshua is God's power, not only to hide, that was last week, but the power to forget, God's power to forget sin. What is the blood of Yeshua? It's God's power to forget sin. Remember sins no more, no more judgment, no more punishment. Hallelujah. Yeshua resurrected as he said he would in three days. And he sat down on the throne in heaven, which is the mercy seat, the throne of grace. And he appears not as this perfect, beautiful Mr. Heaven, but as the lamb of God. The lamb who was slain. Lamb means someone who was slain. Slain, young, slain, and died untimely death. That is that he Bears the marks of his sacrifice. On his body are scars. Even in his beautiful resurrected body. Glorious body. He still wears the marks. Why? Because through the marks. Forever. He is to be testifying glory. And thanked. For his mercy and compassion. And grace for the undeserving world. Hallelujah. To make. Be that, make that be known. The Holy Spirit was sent in the name of Yeshua. He comes not to the unbelieving world, but to believers in the world. Those who have welcomed the redeeming blood of Yeshua. Say amen if you have received the redeeming blood of Yeshua. Have you been forgiven? As Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift Of the Holy Spirit. So the gospel that came with the Holy Spirit. And spread. Since the early church. At the Pentecost. From the Pentecost. Until this day. That good news is not. Believe Jesus in you. And your house will be rich. You and your house will. Household will no longer have troubles. Broken relationship. Divorce. All that will be. uh, Mended. And everything will be. A-okay. 
Your success, your, your career will be successful. You'll be happy and you will enjoy your life. Do you know such preaching has churches growing to become what's known as mega churches? You know, bestseller books, you know, many, many followers. But since, I mean, when, where does it say the gospel is about that? It is the good news, the gospel, because it is about the forgiveness of sin by believing in the redemption of the blood of Yeshua. Amen? We believe that the sinless God died in place of me, us, and by receiving his blood that has redeemed, redeemed. He has done the work of redemption. Now, by believing, I receive, I receive what he has done. I receive his blood, and then my many sins are forgiven. How many have you been forgiven? Say amen if that's you. That is the reason for believing Yeshua, for the forgiveness of sins. So that I do not go to hell, which I deserve as a sinner. Before you were born, like the song, before the, before the world began, you were on his mind. Before the world began, before the world began, from everlasting. Before you knew you were a sinner. God already decided to be merciful and compassionate. And before you and I were born, before our time here in the world, God had already sent his son to die in place of the sinners of the world, including you and me. He has already done the work of redemption. Before I was born, before I knew the fact that I was a sinner heading for hell, he has already done the work of redeeming, redeeming me, redeeming for my sins, and that I can, when I hear it, that I am able to receive, say amen, and welcome the gift of God's forgiveness, God's forgetfulness of all my many sins. Where does it say that? Isaiah 63, 16. Read that together. Isaiah 63, 16. Isaiah 63, 16. You, Lord. 63, 16. You, Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer, from all, from everlasting, is your name. Again, you, Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer, from old from everlasting that's what it means from everlasting is your name so from everlasting that's why i appreciate that song from everlasting from everlasting you came to the world we live in this time in 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 this world in uh, the earth that we live you came you came and that was according to what you decided what you decided was that you will be our father our redeemer and that was decision you made for yourself in eternity before anything was made Before any sin was committed. Because he decided to be merciful and compassionate according to that plan and schedule. When it was the time he sent the son to die in my place. All this happened without my knowing, without my even existence. Think about it. God's power to forget is not because he has dementia or that he's so old. Because he's been around for so long. He's like, who are you again? I I don't remember. That's not what forgetfulness is. Because God is almighty, that he alone has the power to forget sin. When he says he will, he does. Whereas us, yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember. And then what happens? I forget. Now, thanks to these stupid phones, our memory is like so bad. Yeah, because this is like our external 
our drive. So with our phone, it's like, I don't remember anything. I don't know anything. I don't even know where I live. Phone has everything, right? So this dependency on the phone, the brain is just like slowing down for some reason, right? Not only that. Even though I say, yeah, I forgive you. But somehow I'm like Google search. I look at a glimpse of someone, just the past data comes up so fast. Lightning speed, like everything, everything they said, everything they did, everything, everything comes up. And that's not just one person, but that's my parents, our parents, our siblings, our friends, coworkers, people that we've known each known for a while. As long as you have the longer history you have in this world, <laughs> meaning the older you are, you have longer history, longer relationships, longer past. So past means they have memory, meaning it's hard for people to, and myself too, to not judge when you look at each other. Judge. Being judgy is because, oh yeah, you did this before, remember? Yeah, you did that. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You're doing this now because you did that before. So all that, no one can see me, no one can see you purely without memory, without baggage, without judgment. The only one to whom we can go confidently and expect no judgment is the one who said, I will remember your sin no more. And that is the perfect God who alone is merciful and compassionate forever. Our Father in heaven. Hallelujah. So Christian is somebody who knows that his or her, her many sins have been forgiven. And not only forgiven, but forgotten. People say, like, I forgive, but I can't forget. In Talmud, you know, this is how the Jewish people teach each other. Always remember, they try to kill us, and we, God was with us, and we killed them. That's the history of the Old Testament, basically, right? So people have this mentality. Yeah, we forgive you. No hard feelings now, but I remember what you did to us. But how can you say that's a perfect forgiveness if you're still keeping score, right? In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Man has no ability to forget. So we continue to judge. But our Father in heaven has the power to, and he's, it's like whiteout. Do you guys know what whiteout is? I know some, some general, yeah, I, I'm just talking about, I'm just saying, some people don't know, like, what is whiteout? Yeah, whiteout is stuff that you white out with, you cover. When you make mistake with pen that you can't erase, you white out, you cover, you paint. So, when God said, I will forgive, I will remember no more, he's putting a, a white out. So even though as Christians, and we have been forgiven of our many, many sins, not because we deserve it, but because of his mercy and his compassion, that's for himself. He does that. I still commit sin and do sinful things or think sinful things, say sinful, wicked things. And a slip of a tongue, I make mistakes. And because he's our father, he treats them as mistakes our father in heaven so even though i feel guilty and shame and i'm afraid the father says don't give up remember yet my blood you must be broken contrite confess what you have done and mourn and mourn then you will be forgiven this day and you'll be forgiven infinitely until your last breath for you have the blood the redeeming blood that is the power of god to forget your sins hallelujah the joy of believers is that we can confidently go before the throne of grace each and every morning 
and say, I have done this and this and this and that. I did not do this and this and that, which I should have done. All these things and all these thoughts of judgment. And, you know, it's like we have to repent for hating. We tend to think like hate as like, I hate you and I'm going to kill you. I'm going to shoot you. I hate you. But hate is not loving, basically, right? If you think about that. So anyone that you're not pleased with, like, oh, God. The, the role, the invisible role, eye roll, that is hating. I, I come to realize this now at the, my age, you know, in my age, in my faith, in my, in my physical age and spiritual age. Because I'm mourning every morning. So the Lord is flagging these things for me. My father is flagging these things for me and said, you also hate it. But I didn't hate. I don't hate anybody. But when I'm not loving and accepting, and if I'm judging, because I'm frustrated. It's like, why can't they do it like this? That's what usually frustration is, right? Why can't they do it like this? This is right, and they're not doing right. I'm trying to do my right, and they don't see the right. Am I speaking your language? Am I the only one? So I need to confess, mourn. And what happens when I'm telling everything to my father? If you tell everything to your friends, you don't have friends. You tell them you hated them and you're, you know, you, if, you, if your friend right now knows everything that you thought about your friend, you don't have a friend anymore. The only, maybe your mom you'll have left, but even your mom, you can still hurt your moms, you know, by saying what you say and what you've done. The only one that we can tell everything to and won't be judged Because we have the blood of Yeshua that is the power of God to forget, forgive, forget, is our Heavenly Father. So we come before Him to seek His forgiveness daily for the rest of our lives until we leave this burning universe. But what was the condition that we started off the sermon with? What is it? If I'm forgiven, I'm obligated to forgive. Luke 17, three to four says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. They said, sorry. And you don't hold grudges and you don't keep judging them. It says every time they say, sorry, you have to forgive Rebuke them, meaning, do you realize this is sin? What you've done is wrong. And say, you're right. I've done wrong. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. So when they say they're sorry, then you are to forgive. And as we read before, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. That's the order of forgiveness. Do you want your sins to be forgiven by your heavenly father this day? Do you want to be welcome home when you leave, when you, when your, when your spirit leaves your body? I think everyone needs to say amen. If you're not welcome, then you remain here. And what's this place here called? The place that will become? Yeah. So what happens to those who don't forgive then? As it it says, for if you forgive other people, their sin, meaning trespasses, their trespasses, uh, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. So it's conditional. Being forgiven of my sin that brings me to hell without condition, without price tag, he gave to me, gave to all, gave to all mankind. That's what's called grace. Do you understand? 
But for those who have received the grace and been forgiven, now there's condition. Because again, we are still living in the place that will become hell. We're in danger of being left behind. We're in danger of being stuck and locked up here. We need to get out. But for me to get out, I need to be living the life that is being forgiven daily by forgiving daily. So uh, Yeshua gave this uh, parable in Matthew 18 when uh, Peter came up to him and said, how many times do I, am I supposed to forgive my brother? I'm going to be really generous and really give a general estimate and be like, seven times? Seven times of the same thing. He stepped on my toe seven times. Same brand new shoe, seven times. And that's my generous offer. The Lord said, not just seven times. Seven times? So, uh, one place is seven times seven, but other places seven times seven D. Same person, same sin. If that person do, do, does different things, it's seven times seven, 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 meaning infinitely. So he gives the parable about the unforgiving or the unmerciful servant. These are, um, the one um, servant owed his master 10,000 bags of talents. So that's where the 10,000 comes from. The, there's like song 10,000. So 10,000 is uh, 10,000 bags of talent. One talent in the time, at the time was 20 years of wages of labor. Wow. That's a lot. So 10,000 times that one talent. So he owes that. And then the master uh, demanded um, from him, uh, his wife, his children to pay back. And the servant, there was no way that he could pay back. So he said, please forgive me. He begged and begged and begged him. And the master had a change of heart and decided to show pity and mercy on the servant and said, okay, you're forgiven. You're released from that price. So you don't need to pay me back anything. Oh, thank the Lord. Hallelujah. So he goes home and along the way, who does he meet? He meets a fellow servant. Who's a fellow servant? Same level. Not lower, not higher, but same level. They're cohort. They're colleagues, colleagues, colleagues. And then that colleague of his owed him, not a talent, but uh, 100 denarii. 100 denarii, one denarii is a day wages of labor. So not even in the same ballpark. It's just totally different level of debt. But that this just recently forgiven servant is angry. Where's my money? Give me back my money. And he threw him into jail until he was going to be paying back. The other servants saw and said, oh, we just heard it. And they run to the master. Guess what happened? And the master is very angry and calls this first servant and said, I forgave you 10,000 bags of talent because there's absolutely no way for you to pay back. And then your fellow servant owes you this tiny little amount of debt and you won't forgive and throw him to jail. Guess what? I'm going to hand you over to the jailers to be tortured until you should pay back all you owed. And what Jesus said, again, Jesus himself, Yeshua himself, Matthew uh, 18, 35. This is how your heaven, uh, my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. From your heart, not from your lips, but from your heart, not from your lips. Cheap is, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. But from your heart, forgive. From your heart, forget. Is what Yeshua is saying. All our sins were redeemed when Yeshua died. And by simply believing, I received the grace of the forgiveness of my many, many sins. Do you believe that? That your many, many sins, not like you can count because you're so perfect. Because then you will love very little. And that's why you are not able to forgive. That's why I want us to think, like this message is heading toward that. Like, why do I have such a hard time like holding grudges and still judging? I say I forgave with my lips, but in my heart, it's still like, it's like acid. 
My stomach is like turning. You know that feeling? I have that feeling. When you get nervous and you get upset, your stomach is turning, churning, like acidic. I feel like acid coming. Why? Because it didn't come from the heart. And what does it say about the jailers torturing this person? Are they saved? If jails are torturing, are they going to be saved in the last day? That's what I want us to think. I've been forgiven of my many, many sins. But when the Lord comes back, is he going to open up his arms wide and say, Welcome, my child. Because guess what? The father's house has no grudges. The father's house has no memory. No memory. So that's why even in heaven, like you say, like, Oh, am I going to see my wife, my husband? (laughs) Oh, husband. Uh. It's like, Hey, pastor. Hey, regional group. Yeah, because our life is full of memories, good and bad. So in reality, in heaven, we won't recognize each other. But we will still be filled with joy. Because we're going to be in the presence of our perfect heavenly father. Do you want to go there? No more pain, no more sadness, no more sin, no more memory of sin, no more memory of anyone doing anything wrong to me. But let's go back to that doing wrong to me, the hundred denarii. What does that mean? It's petty. It's petty. So that message is actually for not unbelievers, not people who are newcomers, who are young in their faith. It's actually for the older Christians in this room, the older members in this room. But the younger people are not off the hook either. (laughs) Because forgiveness is a problem for everybody. I know people who are older, they can't forgive their parents. I know people who are older, they can't forgive their children. How can you say that you are obeying and sacrificing? They love church, they love the pastor, they give all the things and they serve and serve. But they still hold this thing against somebody. Elsewhere, Jesus said, for your father is perfect, you need to be perfect. I cannot be perfect like God. But what is demanding of us is that you have been forgiven. If the answer is yes. And that you believe that your many, many sins have been forgiven. This petty thing that your brother did to you. He stepped on your toe. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? In light of all things, is it that big deal? That someone offended you? It's usually that. In the church, you think there's murder. There's no murder going on here, guys. Yeah, <laughs> COJ, like what do we need to forgive somebody? Murder somebody. Even that you have to forgive, but there's no murder. There's no murder scene here. It's usually somebody made you embarrassed. Somebody upset you. Somebody uh, disappointed you. That's it. It's so little. And because of that, to be locked in this burning universe, how unfair is that? How scary is that? The father's house is for those who have been perfect like the father. For their many sins have been forgiven. They love much the Lord and all those who belong to him. Yes, we need to love whosoever we meet out in the street. Unbelievers. Because unbelievers, they keep on sinning and they keep going away from God and stay away from God. They keep following the devil because they do not know. But I need to also have mercy and compassion for them with the Father's house. Father's heart, I need to lead them to the Father's house by sharing this good news. 
And even with those who are little faith, because they don't understand, because their knowledge is so little, they just start in the faith life, they're immature as character. They're young too, so they're just foolish. So like a little brother, I need to be compassionate and merciful and guide them. And also those who are supposed to be older. Some people say, like, they're older than me, why don't they do X, Y, Z, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you the people who are even older than me, who are older than me physically. They still have a hard time forgiving other people. So it, it doesn't matter about the age. So they could be in the church in the faith longer and they're obeying. Everything else, check off, check off, check off. Good, good, good. They're doing passing all the things. But they're still holding on. Holding on whatever the reason. And even them, I need to show mercy and compassion. Because my father, our father is merciful and compassionate and gracious. Because of that, I have been forgiven of my many sins. And I love the Lord. And therefore, I need to also love much those who belong to him. If you have been hearing the sermon up to this point, past few weeks, leading up to this point. Your desire to leave and your priority and desperation to leave this burning universe should be up, 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 and truly reaching high, high. Amen? And now, week after week, it's like, where am I? That's what this is about, is you're hearing this. It's not about one or two people. It's for everyone in this room. So if you're thinking like, I hope you're listening. Who are you talking about? This is for you. It's for you, it's for me. This morning as I was repenting, like my many, many, many sins have been forgiven. Why is that? It's like this judgment and, 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 and being upset and unforgiving. It's still an issue. What a wretched man I am. I'm sorry. As Pastor Kang has said, and I agree with her 100%, we pray for discipleship. We pray for discipleship. We, we pray for souls who have the intelligence and character and talent to become disciples. So we seek disciple types, disciple materials. And perhaps that has gotten us to be arrogant and, and, and unrealistic. And realizing the souls that have been given to me, all these souls here. I have to make sure that none is lost. The more I mourn and pray, I make to make sure that I lose none of those who have been given to me. So starting with my heart, be merciful and compassionate. And I have responsibility to teach every one of us here, one of you, to also be merciful and compassionate and not hold grudges and not be judging and not be hard and hurt. To forgive from your heart, not with your lips. Because you could get 99 right and not one. If you are still holding back, your sins have not been forgotten and forgiven even. If your sins, it's equation. If you have been forgiven many, you will forgive many. But perhaps, let's go back, back, back. Maybe you don't believe that you have committed many sins. That's why your heart is so small. That's why you need to go back to the word. The Bible. Is the mirror that shows us this is your reality. I'm a sinful, sinful, sinful man. The worst out of this room. I'm the worst one. Therefore, I can only fall at your feet, Yeshua, and cry and cry and cry. And after having that experience, how can I look at anyone else and be like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You did this to me. How can I do that? We're all the same. Who by solely by the grace of God, been forgiven of many sins. We need to all go to the Father's house. Amen? Until then. 
every day, every morning. Let us find ourselves confessing and mourning. And if you feel like you're hurt, tell the Father. He will hear you. He will hear everything and he will not judge you. Tell him everything. And then when you do tell him everything from your heart, you will hear the voice of the Father saying, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they If you hear that voice, those words ringing in your ears, you will have the power to forgive whosoever and also forget. I don't mean like memory lapse, but move on. No more emotion. And to be able to embrace them from the heart, from the heart. Our church life here should be happy. Amen. Our church life with our brothers and sisters who have overcome so many things should be happy. We should be united and solid as one in the brotherhood, in the blood of Yeshua. Why avoiding? Why brokenness? Why judging? I like everyone, everybody can't be in the same room with him, with her, with him. That's not what the father is pleased by. What the father wants to see is forgiveness and dedication to forget and move on to love as he has. So that we can all make it to the father's house in that day. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes. Father, I'm a sinful man. Undeserving sinner. My many, many sins have been forgiven by your grace. I have nothing to say, but I'm sorry. I'm guilty. But by your grace, I have your blood. Please, let me have your heart that is merciful, compassionate, and forgiving forgive them for they do not know what they do let's lift up our hands to heaven and ask for his help and he will help